0: It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Lawrence Holmes, a.k.a. Loho. I'm very excited because it's my birthday today. Yay! Yay! And my birthday buddy Maggie Hendricks is here with me, and we're gonna hang hang out and do geeky stuff and talk about our birthdays.
1: Yay! Hey, friend. Hello, friend. You know what I learned recently? What? That. So we already knew that tomorrow is Nancy Armour of USA Today her birthday. Uh, on Saturday, the 8th, it is Madeline Kenny of the Chicago Sun-Times, her birthday. So I
0: believe it's also Sierra Santos's birthday.
1: Man, it's just the best people in the world.
0: It's Gemini season! Woo, woo, woo. Let's go! It's very exciting. How have you been?
1: I've been good. I've been busy, but I've been good.
0: Yes, you are now covering the WNBA. You're following the sky.
1: It's really, really fun. They're a really fun group to cover. They lost last night pretty badly. Yeah,
0: Elena Deladon.
1: Who uh, they they need to vanquish that particular ghost. They need to they need to do something about that.
0: But she's really good at basketball.
1: <laughs> she is really good at basketball, but. There are also they have a lot of people who are very good at basketball too. That's true. And they, honestly, yesterday it wasn't as much Elena as it was Christy Tolliver, who is also uh, an MBA coach, so she knows a little bit about basketball.
0: She's, she knows something about the game.
1: Yeah. So I mean, there were lots of reasons they lost that game last night. They kept Ellie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot to I want to say a combined eight points, and you, you can't you can't do that.
0: That's crazy because you know those two can go off.
1: Right. Also, they're married.
0: They are married.
1: I I think it's like I think it's just a very cool thing and it's it's something I'm going to be covering and writing about at certain times throughout the season.
0: I'm interested in how that dynamic works because you get no break. Like you're with that person at home, you're with that person at work. It's com- a competitive environment that you're right. in. Like th- that is I hope you write about that because that is fascinating.
1: It is. It's an absolutely fascinating dynamic. But what's most fascinating to me is, I mean, they met playing together. They fell in love playing together. So, like, it's just what they've always known. So, like, unlike, say, if Panther or Pete shows up here and we'd be like, what the heck? What are you doing here? Get out of here. <laughs> what are you doing here? Um, it's still like like that is like a clashing of the worlds. But for them, that's just always how their world's been. So it's just it's a fascinating, fascinating thing to me. And I think it's a great thing, particularly this guy has such a huge group of LGBT fans. Lori Lightfoot was there throwing out the, uh, you know, throwing up the ceremonial first tip off. Um, With her wife and daughter. So, like,
0: and her, her wife was a basketball player, I want to say.
1: Yeah. And they were, they were, they've been Sky ticket uh, season ticket holders. So, like, they're huge fans. And there's just, there's a huge group of lesbian in particular, but LGBT fans that support this guy. So, I just think it's so cool for them to, to see that on the court and be like, oh, that's, that's us. That's my life.
0: So, Shout out to Allie Quigley, not. I mean, I don't want to exclude Courtney, but Allie's a DePaul.
1: She's DePaul. She's Joliet. She's she's one of us.
0: So so get this. I, I'm just reading the the uh, the alumni magazine, and it's so funny because they do everything by date. You know that does Missouri do this where they tell you what's going on with particular people
1: by the by the year you graduated? graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So so I'm reading it and I ran across obviously our buddy Matt Bowen, who most people don't know. Matt Bowen has a master's degree in in English from DePaul.
1: Of course he does.
0: Yeah, because he's, he's Matt freaking Bowen. He's honestly one of the smartest people I've ever met. So so he's in there and I'm reading about it and I look up. And I'm like, oh, there's Sam Quigley, there's Allie Quigley, and they're both doing great things. And it's just like. It's it, it's so, like, no one is put kind of above anyone else. So, like, the font is the same for Matt Bowen as it is for Allie Quigley as, as it is for me. And it just made me laugh. I'm like, Allie Quigley is, like, such a star. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, Allie Quigley is <laughs> another all-star game. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like oh, oh. she oh, won
1: the three-point contest, contest again. Yeah, okay. Oh,
0: so boring yeah. of all that stuff she's doing. But it's congratulations to to her and Courtney. And I do think it's going to be a really cool thing. This for you, being back on a beat
1: yeah it's it's fun it's it's very different, and even like like when I was on m m a that was still a big, huge beat with hundreds of athletes and and fights and promotions and all sorts of things. This is so concentrated it is twelve athletes and one coach that I pay attention to, i mean, and that is that's really it, and so it, it's funny the other day I was at practice and it was the first time that all the players recognized me and remembered my name said hello to me and I was like oh I feel like I feel like that is a step in my in like in starting relationships and making sure that I that I'm really owning this beat
0: do you think in that regard the striking red locks helps you
1: i you know it may, it may. Julie needs to never show up at practice because it oh, us. Yeah, you're right.
0: So because people do that anyway, we
1: do that. We get that all the time. I get, I when Julie did the more than mean, I had multiple people congratulate me on the peabody, and I no was like. Way. I was like, well, that's a good friend of mine. We I, do a show together. We do Well, we weren't at that point yet, but um we do we were I was said like I I'm good friends with her, so I'll pass that along.
0: Okay, but yeah. you do both have a Gracie award.
1: We do both have a Gracie award.
0: So for people who don't know what's a Gracie,
1: the Gracie is uh, given out by, I believe the name of the foundation is the All Women in Media Foundation, and it uh, it looks at women's contribution or contribution to telling women's stories in media. So, like, you could win a Gracie if you told a, a woman's story particularly well in some way. So if
0: I were the executive producer of the the Julia Maggie show, I could win a Gracie?
1: If we had an executive producer, yes,
0: <laughs>
1: yes, you could. Uh, but as such, it's just Julie and I who want it, uh, since we don't. But I'm excited because we're going in. We're going to New York for the, like the awards luncheon in uh, June. That's yeah. so great. And Mitch is coming with us.
0: No way. Yeah,
1: I'm really excited about all that. So, and I, I'm excited I get to go fabric shopping in New York.
0: So is this going to be like a super like fancy thing? Like are you going to wear like get a new dress or Yeah,
1: it's daytime. It's more luncheon than like gala. Oh, okay. So so I will be getting a new dress, but it won't be like super fancy. It'll be more like business
0: dress. Is it fair? Well, let's I won't make it global. I'll make it our own experiences. I hate getting new suits or like fitted for I own a tuxedo because I I mean I got married in one and I figured why not buy it because if you wear it twice it's probably paid for itself.
1: And honestly, Pete made a joke this last week when we looked at our wedding pictures about how badly his tux fit him and it still makes him mad. So, like I makes me want to go back in time and make him just say just buy a tux. Just buy one. It's yeah. just it's
0: just a lot easier. I feel like that if I were going to an event like the Gracie's, I would have anxiety about getting a new suit. Do you have anxiety about, if you were going to something super fancy, about getting a new dress for that event?
1: I don't. Or is it joy? I, um, it's There is anxiety to it. Um Lately, what I've been doing—and please know this is not sponsored content—but I usually go if if I need a dress for something and I'm probably only going to wear it once, I go to Rent the Runway. Oh, um, and they have an actual store on uh, I like somewhere over in River North. It's over by Jake Melnick's. That's the main thing I know because I'll go get a dress and then like go eat wings.
0: Jake Melnick. I love
1: Jake Melnick's. So I saw Dwight Howard there once. That's my fun story. Okay. Um. I, but I'll go to Rent the Runway and you can try things on and you can get an idea and then you literally pay. I mean, it depends on what the dress is. If I'm rent, like uh, a friend of mine's wedding a few years ago, I rent, I had a, like, a gown and it was like green and glittery and long.
0: Shocking that it, it would be, be glittery. I know. And green. And
1: green. So shocking. Um, <laughs> but it was, I wore that and that, I think it was like $80 to rent that because it was like a big designer name. But like you can also rent uh, like a, you know, like a business work dress for like 30, 40 bucks too. So, and then you don't have it sitting in your closet never wearing it again.
0: I, I just have found that there's a lot of I if you're looking for men to be vulnerable, the getting fitted for a suit is a vulnerable time for a man. Because I don't know if we ever look at ourselves that way. Right. I, I tend to think that women are more particular about angles and what do I look like from this direction. And, the, and we're just like, oh, I'll put on some shorts and I'm go outside. Yeah. And when you go into there and you see yourself in the 3D mirror, it's like, oh. Oh, someone yeah. loves me. oh that is that is unfortunate for her that she <laughs> loves me cause look at this. This is awful.
1: No, I mean, I think there is something to it. I think there's something to women knowing like we we are forced to, whether it's by society, by our own choice, whatever. we know what's work what's good about our bodies and what's not. Um, so. I think it's a it, while there's still anxiety there's not that like oh god <laughs> anxiety.
0: Yeah, we're I, I, I and again I'll make it mine. I'm shocked all the time like you go in feeling good and here's what I've now figured out. Instead of going to get the suit when you're like totally in shape and like right after a workout, don't do that. Like No, go st- have a cheeseburger first. Yeah, and and cuz that's when you're like, oh, I need the room. I need yeah. a little room right here. Doesn't need to be so tight. All right, we'll stop talking about this. Because there's other stuff I want to talk to you about. Star Trek. Star Trek. So you wrote something about Star Trek and someone asked you to write it?
1: I have now written two things for StarTrek.com. What? Um, the next one will be coming out sometime next week and it has to do with sports. I know. Parisi Squares? You will, you're will. you going to have to wait to see it till t- on Tuesday. Okay. Um but the managing editor of Star startrek.com is this wonderful woman Kendra James not that Kendra James for the oh, people yeah. who don't are oh yeah don't look that up don't i i i tweet her all the time so you can see the right Kendra James in my twitter timeline <laughs> but she is um she's a huge star trek nerd but she also has all of this great managing editor experience It's really gr- she's really great at reaching out to LGBT writers, writers of color, writers who would not normally say, hey, I want to write about Star Trek. And so um, she has also very open pitching de- uh, guidelines. It's right on the website. So right around Mother's Day, I reached out to her. I was like, hey, can I write something for, for Mother's Day? And she's like, yeah, what do you want to do? I said, well, I, I think I kind of want to write about These two, I mean, I'm going to get in the nerdy. Let's go. Let's go. About uh, Loxana and Deanna Troy, and about um, Michelle and or Michael and Gabrielle Burnham on the new Star Trek on Discovery, and about how their mothering styles are actually very similar. Um, And so I wrote about this, and and the response was really great. And like, it's so funny, us both being nerds. Like, we've done pretty well in our, our lives here on the sports career side. Sure. But then over on the nerd side, there's, like, all these people that, I don't know if it's this way for you, but I look up to that, that like, like you're the king of the nerds and you like the thing that I wrote.
0: That's how I feel about Elliot Serrano.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like, when...
0: We prefer geek. We go by geek. He, he's okay. king of the geeks. Geeks.
1: Um, Swapna Krishina, who writes for sci-fi fangirls and, like, is, like, just brilliant about her and anything sci-fi and just breaking it down she said i have never thought about this but i really like this article and retweeted it i was i was you couldn't say nothing to me
0: see but the you're well the other thing is that you're a really good writer well, like that you. that helps in that regard but i'm with you 100 percent on getting that that geek credibility yeah because we have it with each other right but It's something else that we really love, and being able to share it with other people that feel similarly, that being said, I am overwhelmed at C2E2. I have figured this out about myself. I can't do it. It's just too much. Like It's sensory overload, and you find out how far behind in the geek game you actually are. I can't – I've now sworn that off unless someone were to ask me to host a panel, right? which I would be down for. I'd love to do that, especially if it were a Star Trek panel. That would be great. I'm so – Yeah,
1: Lawrence and I will co-host a Star Trek panel. Call us.
0: We should, especially with the new Picard series coming out.
1: Okay. We're going to have to – we'll talk afterward. We're going to have to figure out how you do that, how you get in with that crew.
0: We need to get in with that crew. Right. Why do you think think, uh, TNG struck a chord with us?
1: I mean, for me, it was it was my first Star Trek because it's what my brother was watching, and so then I started watching it. Um, I liked. It's funny now saying this because DS Nine blew it out of the water, but I liked that there were powerful women. I liked that. Be- I remember being young and being like, "Beverly Crusher's a badass," mm-hmm. you know. And and so, like, I liked that. guinan I really like Guinan— um I really liked Q too. I thought Q was I just always thought he was the coolest of villains because he wasn 't just a villain. he also pushed Picard. He also was like
0: he provoked thought
1: exactly, and like in the in the episode, I think it's Q who is in the second season when they when he first pushes them to meet the Borg, and he says at the end like it's wondrous out here. there are pleasures both i think it's their pleasures both gross and subtle. But it's not for the timid. Like what a line! What a great and I just remember hearing that and being like, "You need to get your butt out there and get what you want, Maggie." I was like fourteen, but still, I remember hearing that and being like, "That that's something you need to remember."
0: I saw you retweet the the uh, the idea of um, of Klingons embracing trance.
1: I love that. It's it was, such
0: a great. It's a it, great way to look at it. it. It
1: was a great. I mean, honestly, Jadzia Dax is an absolutely groundbreaking character yeah. because it's the first time we saw any sort of LGBT anything on uh, Star Trek because it's, because Jordy was originally supposed to be gay, and Jaden Roddenberry is the one who supposedly put the kibosh on that. But after he died, and then you have somebody like Ron Moore in charge of the series— the way that they did it was so smart and so groundbreaking. But then also looking at how, at like the the, I mean, it was a little bit of a joke that I retweeted. But I also loved it when when he said, "Like my friend, my Curzon. friend Kersan, it's Judzia now." Oh, my friend Judzia! Like how easy that is to understand when we're looking at it from a sci-fi thing. But then people will be weird about it for our trans brothers and sisters. No.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's so it's such a love sci-fi, by the way, is always, in my opinion, been something that's kind of pushed us forward as a society.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, Look and, at Ray Bradbury. Right.
0: There have been so many groundbreaking writers that have made us really think about where we are. I mean, even if you go back and, and watch um, Twilight Zone and some of the stuff that Rod Serling was talking about back then, like, have you ever read his biography? I have not. I should. He, really interesting dude. But I, it made so much sense because... If you go through it, Cisco is always referring to Dax as old man, right? It, but but it doesn't change like their relationship. Their relationship is based in the, what they've been through as both Curzon and Jadzia. I, I think it's a a really simple way to to go. Oh,
1: oh, okay, great. All right, this is who you are. Okay, I'm going to respect that. Right. That's all. It that's all it goes breaks down to. That's what trans rights are. Are that's what somebody's saying. Hey, these are my pronouns. Are that's that's all it is. Is it breaks down to respecting somebody telling you who they are.
0: It's so it was it's so wonderful. I, getting back to TNG, I will watch episodes of TNG, and I never thought that I was going to be like that type of person. Like I enjoyed the first Star Trek as well, but I didn't think that I was going to be someone where if. Any of those like great episodes of TNG are on on BBC America, because usually that's where you find them now. I will stop and I will sit and I will watch and I will try to explain to my wife like this is why this is so great. Yeah. Like this is why you need to watch this. L- look at what they're doing, what they're saying. And I I've, I've just enjoyed the whole thing. And I enjoy that they seem to that cast seem to really love each other.
1: It's fun seeing it on Twitter now right seeing their conversations and, and on Instagram and stuff and seeing like how they still they still have a relationship and like how um, how excited Gates what's her last name McFadden. McFadden how excited Gates McFadden was about the Picard series and so and they're also excited for him I don't even know if they're gonna be in it but they're excited for him right so yeah I I think for me like for me I like to have TV on in the background when I'm writing but I prefer it to be TV that I've already watched, so like Law and Order, uh, a Star Trek, a Gilmore Girl, something that like I don't need to pay attention to to see what happens. But every now and then I can look up, and so TNT is perfect because I've seen every episode a billion times, so it works out perfectly. Is Law and
0: Order the perfect show? <sighs> and here's, here's what I mean by it's that: the perfect
1: Maggie. recipe.
0: It, it really is it's like okay, they, and they they give you the rules. Here are the rules. The rules are there's a crime. We're going to take the first 30 minutes and investigate the crime. The second 30 minutes are going to be all about the trial. Here we go. Boom. Ding ding. Yeah. And 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 we're off and you get you get the back in the Lenny Briscoe days, you get the funny one-liner from a Lenny Briscoe which has David Caruso paid the 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 the, the family. He of, uh, should. He sh- because that's the whole bit. Like, that's his whole bit on CSI. Right. Was he was just doing a Lenny Briscoe impersonation. Was just, and, and
1: nowhere near as good as the great Jerry Orbach. yeah. He nowhere should be paying good. Yeah, I, like, it was such an up and down thing. But I think it's an up and down thing because of, more because, it's going to get too deep, but the way society has changed and gone up and down. So, like, if we're in a, re- like, late, basically late 90s is when it was a little bit not great. Like, they they were they were struggling a little bit. Well, that's also the point in time when our economy was fantastic. It was the late Clinton era. Like, the crime wasn't as bad. So there were all these things going on in the country that were really good. So a show about murder isn't going to be as good. But, man, the second 9-11 happened, I'm not saying it's good that it did. I hear the tone of my voice. But one, when things started going bad, law and order started getting really good again. So, oddly... I think that that Law and Order's recipe is so good; it just is. Sometimes the ingredients weren't as perfect.
0: So, do I have this right? You had never delved into the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Yes, that is true.
0: So you did this now, right? I did it now to get yourself ready for Endgame?
1: And I and I've seen Endgame. And oh, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad that I went and did this experiment. The only thing I had seen was Black Panther, and I'd seen Black Panther cuz it was, it was Black a cultural Panther. movement. Yeah. yeah, you had like you had to see it. So, and I liked it, but I wasn't like there wasn't enough of the rest of the MCU to get super excited about. I,
0: and if you hadn't grown it, up I, and it hadn't been your thing,
1: right, I wouldn't even necessarily known it was a big MCU thing. So then I But yeah, when Endgame, when all of the ads for Endgame came out, I was like, "This kind of seems fun." And the great thing was having Julie and Chris Dickens and Adam Stazinski like kind of be my guides in this. And I kept frustrating them because I would just watch either what was ever, whatever was on or whatever I could stream for free. So, like, I watched Iron Man 3, then 2, then 1.
0: Oh, my God. They were ready you, to kill me. Well, I mean, if you watched Iron Man 3, you were probably like, "This, what is everyone excited about? <laughs> yeah. This is awful.
1: Um, and, and I watched Guardians of the Galaxy 2, then 1, though I like 2 better than 1.
0: So that's, you got to see Don Cheadle turn into Terrence Howard instead of Terrence Howard turning into Don Cheadle. I
1: did, and Team Don Cheadle. Facts, um, but yeah. So I I watched it all bizarrely, but I still I what I've decided I liked about the MCU is that there's something for everybody. So like if you're a space nerd like me and you, Guardians of the Guardians of the Galaxy. If you're into history, you got Cap. If you're into weird technology, you've got either Black Panther with with Shuri or, or, Iron, Man. or Iron Man. You have so many de- like. Whatever your particular brand of nerdery, like, if you're into witchcraft, you've got the Scarlet Witch. Like, whatever it is, then you have found it If you somewhere. like fantasy,
0: here's Thor.
1: Exactly. Like, I just, I love that, that it just has these little bits of everything, and it's like you can find your world within the Marvel comic universe.
0: Yeah, I I'm a longtime Cap guy. I'm a Cap apologist. I even have, I think that's in my Instagram bio. <laughs> uh, I I love Captain America, and I really love what Chris Evans did with the character.
1: Yes, abs- he was. I think honestly, the like main people, so Iron Man, uh, Thor. Cap- Thor, Captain America. I think that was such perfect casting. Like perfect cast- casting I could not imagine anybody else in those three roles well they
0: they hit hit Iron Man out of the park like Robert Downey Jr as Tony Stark was inspired yeah absolutely inspired yeah you wanna I'm gonna get real geeky I talked about this on the air but I wanted to share it with you because I did a second watch of endgame okay okay and so now I'm I'm actually like looking for stuff yeah and and I joked about this on the air that the first time I understood that a lot of this was about family, whether it was the family that you have or the family that you choose. Right. And in some cases, the family that you choose is better than the family that you're born into. And that speaks to a lot of different issues. But I really like was like, okay, like I'm getting it now. Like I'm getting all of this stuff on the second watch. The other cool thing was I'm sitting there and the scene where Ant-Man returns, where Scott like pops up in his storage locker. Yeah. Kim Jong is the security guard. I don't think he has a line in the movie, which is hilarious considering how funny he is. He's reading a book, and I'm like, huh, I wonder. I'm like, okay, let me write that down. Let me see. The name of the book is Terminal Beach by J.G. Ballard, and it's a sci-fi book, a lot of sci-fi short stories, the first of which is called Endgame.
1: Wow, that is some deep nerdery. I I love it.
0: I know. So I ordered it in the theater, like in the theater. I was like, Amazon, boom, there it is. I'm going (laughs) to have that and I'm going to read all of that and see what else is in there. I just, I really enjoyed it. And Mel laughed at me because I had a free night, like the cubs Cubs were off. Right. Cubs had played during the day. White Sox were off. No basketball. I was like, I got nothing going on. She was gone. Yeah. I'm like, I'll go to the movies for three hours. Right. <laughs> and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I just thought that they did a good job of bringing it all home. Now, and I've said this on the podcast before, I still have um, Infinity War as number one, as I much have, as I hmm. loved in game. I had Infinity War, number one, but I thought that Endgame was satisfying. Like, you got what you needed yes. from it, and which is what I didn't get from Game of Thrones. I, I didn't get no. that at all. I didn't no. feel. So So you're a writer. Right. You craft stories. How important is it for you to leave the the reader satisfied at the end of whatever it is you're writing? Does it ever cross your mind?
1: Honestly, no, that doesn't cross my mind as much as did the story that I want to tell get across. So if if you're at the beginning, if you're about to write Endgame and your story is I need to wrap up everything on Tony Stark and Captain America. How do I need to tell this story to like if I were in that position, the most important thing would be making sure the story is thoroughly and well told. Whether that satisfies you is on you. So do so you know who uh, Aunt, mm. Anne Lamott is? She's she's a writer, and she writes about writing a lot. Um, and she wrote this one book, Bird by Bird. It's it's amazing. And anytime that you're, like, stuck with whatever you're creating, Bird by Bird is just a great thing to read. Okay. But one of the things she talks about, and this has helped me, like, just tremendously in my career, is once something is is on the page and published and put out there, it's not yours anymore. It doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the readers. So you have to let it go. Like, whatever you've written, you got to let it go. If people have questions, answer them, but don't, like, get in an argument that they understood it wrong because if they didn't understand it right, it's because you didn't tell it right on the first time. And so, like, in my early days of writing about MMA, I would get in these long conversations with people about, like, well, you didn't understand what I was saying. And that helped me kind of take a step back and say, if they're not understanding it, I need to do a better job writing it. And then I I honestly it slowed me down as a writer, but I think that was a a good thing because i I thought more about how my readers were taking it. But satisfaction was never as and honestly not something that crossed my mind.
0: I, I try to think about that too when it comes to doing the show and, and I, I need to do that I, I came up with this thing called the glossary. like I, I love the concept of a glossary. Because in sports, we use terms all the time that are normal jargon for us and the people that we talk to inside sports. And while I think the listener has never been smarter than they are right now, there are still times where I do feel like that was a little jargony. Yeah, You know, when I went to a whole slash line thing and started talking about OPS and and Weight It Runs Created Plus, like, I, I need to... Sometimes we need to take a step back and explain it. Like even stupid stuff where if I'm talking about it happens, this is the one place, the one thing in sports where it happens too often RPO because immediately the person who says RPO says run, pass option and you should just say, so run, just pass say run, pass option, option. And, and cause that annoys the bleep out of me, but yeah. it's the one place in sports where we actually take the time to go. Oh, that thing that I just brought up, I need to explain what it is. Yeah.
1: my so kind of what I use as as my litmus test for that is my dad. If my dad has ever texted me and said, "What's OPS? What's what's the slash line? What's all of this?" Because he loves sports, he reads the Tribune and the Sun Times obsessively, cover to cover. He watches sports. He listens to the score but that does but he's not a computer person he's not he's he's never going to r- like go on a, a whatever fan graphs and understand what all of these different advanced things are so if my dad doesn't know what BABIP, BABIP is that doesn't mean i can't use it he is more than smart enough to understand what BABIP is if i explain it well but if i'm just like well the pagoda projections are this and that and i don't say what they are not only is my dad not good, like he may ask, he may not, but I have to assume that my dad is not going to listen anymore.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting balance because you don't you don't want to treat the listener or the reader as if they're dumb, but you also don't want to throw stuff at them that that they may not understand. And right. and I mean, people in sports, I mean, you, I'm I'm sure you've dealt with it. Football people talk in a football language. They also like saying the word football. They really do a lot.
1: They do. They They
0: like saying football more than any other person says anything else. Like basketball coaches don't say basketball all the time.
1: They don't talk about well. We need to protect the basketball, and we need to, (laughs) and and we need to respect basketball. And like, no, if Steve Kerr ever said that, we'd all laugh at our heads. We would.
0: And no one does that in baseball either. You know, Joe Madden's not talking about. Anyway, but football coaches—they
1: just take everything so seriously. There's at
0: least in every soundbite you hear from a football coach, the word football at has been mentioned
1: once. at least, at least once.
0: It's amazing. It's a it's a really amazing thing. What are you gonna do for your? What else are you gonna do for your birthday?
1: Honestly, I have a bunch of work to do. Okay. So, uh, at some point in this year. Pete and I will be going to London oh, to celebrate see my bears. 40th year. Oh. Well, here's the funniest thing is we've been planning this for a while. I have two good friends who live in London right now. Like, I need to get to London and see them, but also I want to go to London and see tiaras because they're sparkly.
0: Oh, like your headphones. Mm-hmm.
1: So, I, um, so I've so i been wanting to go to London forever. So when the bears, intru- the bears announced that they're going to London – Pete was so excited, and he called me, and he was like, do you want to go to London and see the Bears? I was like, no. I said, that would be work. I don't want to work when I go to London. I want to see Tottenham play. I want to go see the Queen, because we're best friends. Um, I want to go do, uh, like, all of the London things.
0: Do you want to go see the Duchess?
1: Oh, obviously. I mean, she's a sorority sister. She's a fellow Kappa. Is that right? Yeah, we're both Kappas. So she was a Kappa at Northwestern. So,
0: who knew? Yes. You can get in there. Maybe I could do a secret if, handshake. If you were a socks fan.
1: Well, I'll borrow. Because the Duchess your, is a
0: socks fan. I'll
1: borrow your hat. You'll, you'll let me borrow a hat. Yeah, oh, I, my, I okay.
0: have like 100 socks caps. So I you can figured. have one of them and you'll never wear it. But you could at least hold it up and be like, hey, Duchess,
1: white socks. And I'll wear my cap, t shirt. And you're Perfect. And she'll be like, oh, come on in. And sister. You're, you're totally in.
0: Yeah. Well, And thank- the
1: red hair with Harry. We're. Best friends.
0: You could be like, that's my brother. Exactly. I appreciate you doing this. This was so much fun. We'll have to do this again. Okay. When can people hear you?
1: They can hear us this Saturday, Julie and I, from two to uh, Cubs pregame. So listen in this Saturday.
0: And if you would like to see Maggie's writing, she tweets out her writing all the time. At Maggie Hendricks, whether it's on Star StarTrek.com or maybe even where she might be covering sports. Whatever. Wherever. But at Maggie Hendricks is where you can find her. She's a delight, and I'm glad you got a chance to hear her. Thanks for listening to Loho Daily.